ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. A quick heads up, this episode touches briefly on the topic of suicide. Take care while listening. Hey, I'm from the ABC. Can I ask you a quick word association? Uh, What comes to mind when I say menopause? Old age? Like, uh, old woman? Uh, What do you call it? Like, hot hot flushing and cold flushing? I'm not sure. Do you know what menopause is? Uh, no. (laughs) Have you ever heard of it? Yeah, I've heard of it, yeah. Okay, but you have no clue what it involves? Yeah. Okay, you can't really blame him because in your teens and 20s, menopause is generally not on your mind, whatever your gender. Um, And I've basically bailed up these uni kids and sprung a menopause pop quiz on them. Um, Do you know what the difference is between perimenopause and menopause? Which menopause? Perimenopause. Perin? Uh, Peri. (laughs) I've never heard of that before, I'm sorry. (laughs) Do you know what time it hits? Like what age? Uh, no. Like old? Yeah. What, what would count as old to you? Like, 40s. Is that, is that right? I mean, it's right that's when, you know, menopause generally begins, but gosh, is that old? Ah. I mean, no, I, I, no, but like, I feel like that, you know. How old are you? I'm 19. I mean, fair. When I was 19, I definitely thought 40 was old. The point is, for half the population, before we know it, menopause will come for us. I just completely assumed it was something that happened maybe in your mid-60s and your period stopped. Like, that (laughs) was all I had in my mind. Yeah, same, to be honest, till recently. Right? (laughs) Ali Dado hadn't given menopause much thought either until it came for her. And then I was like, what, what, do you, what is perimenopause? I'd never heard of it. Allie is a former model. You might remember her from the cover of Dolly magazine in the 90s. She's now a teacher and an author. No one had ever spoken to me about perimenopause. Mm. None of my girlfriends who are older than me, I'm the youngest of three sisters, and my mom is still alive, nothing. And a girlfriend back in America before we left, when I was sort of telling her a little bit of how I was feeling, she said, yeah, it could be perimenopause. I was like, "Ah, that's not a real thing. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) This is All in the Mind. I'm Sana Kadar. And it is incredible that so many of us are so uninformed about this perfectly natural time in a woman's life. Like, half of humanity goes through this. It just wasn't spoke about. It was something that... Women just had to manage on the quiet. One of my very first talks, there was a mum there with her teenage daughter. She must have like picked her up from netball or something. The, the poor kid had to come into a, a menopause talk. But halfway through, she turned to her mum and said, why don't they teach about mm. this in school? And I thought, man, how interesting if as we're teaching our girls about their cycle, about the beginning, that we also teach them about the end of the cycle. Like just have that as a, as a full circle. So they've heard the word, they know it ends. So it's not this big surprise to everyone. So today, what to expect when you're expecting menopause, whether it's right around the corner or many, many, many years away. You said how none of your friends, your sisters, your mother had ever talked about it. That's incredible to me because, like, girls do talk about their periods, you know, not all the time, but we mention when we're feeling crappy about it or, you know. Why do you think no one spoke about any of the symptoms they went through? 
I, I, it's a really good question. I actually don't know. I All I remember is one friend with a handheld fan and she'd just bring it out every now and again and fan herself and go, oh, woof, just having a hot flush. But I never thought that it I, – I, I don't know if I ever thought it was not going to happen to me. Or I just that I thought it was so far in the future that I, I didn't even ask questions. So it was really on me to not sort of ask her further, hmm. you know, questioning about it. But I don't know why none of my friends spoke about it. Maybe they just cruised on through, which, you know, a lot of women do. Spoiler, menopause wasn't smooth sailing for Allie, unfortunately. But perhaps it's no surprise that no one spoke to her about it, given how often women's bodily functions are shrouded in shame. As if there's something distasteful about periods, breastfeeding, and yes, menopause. I think the stigma for, for menopause, it, it's so multi-layered. First and foremost, when I researched the history of menopause, that's what was fascinating to me. And you can take it, you know, all the way back to the ancient Greeks, apparently. But I think sort of in the Victorian era, this is when we were, you know, accused of having hysterical fits. We were institutionalized. They were trying to cure menopause by removing the clitoris. They were giving us arsenic injections. So mm. already back then, we've got this idea it's a disease. It means something is wrong. But then, of course, you tie it in with Western culture about aging and the crone. Mm. And we are, in the Western world, women are sunk. So when Ali realised she was experiencing symptoms of perimenopause, but she didn't know much about it and no one was talking about it, she thought, screw that. I was in the thick of it and was looking around going, am I the only one? And then it was, I was like, okay, I think I really want to dive into this and, and write a book. Queen Menopause is that book. It's part memoir, part collection of several women's stories of menopause. But before we jump into Ali's story, this feels like a good point to clarify what the difference is between perimenopause and menopause. You know, menopause itself, it's a natural phase of life that everyone with ovaries goes through. This so is Caroline Gervich. She's a clinical neuropsychologist and associate professor at Monash University. And she explains that perimenopause is when your reproductive hormones, oestrogen and progesterone, start fluctuating and declining over time. And this is when the symptoms might start for many women. So hot flashes, brain fog, anxiety, depression, all those horrible symptoms you've heard of, this is when they appear, during perimenopause. Whereas menopause is when you're finally done with all of that. The fluctuating hormones chill out and your period stops and the symptoms gradually stop as well. And within our bodies, 12 months after we have our final menstrual period, we hit menopause. So the average age of menopause is about 51 and the perimenopausal period can be sort of four to ten years for many women, so it could be mid-40s would be the average age that those perimenopausal years might begin. In really rare cases, perimenopause can start in your 30s, or even more rare, in your 20s. It's estimated only 1% of women, though, under the age of 40, will experience premature menopause. For Ali, her symptoms started around the age of 45, the first obvious sign was a change in my cycle. For someone who was very regular, I started having my periods like every two weeks, or I'd have a period that was so heavy, I was changing, 
you know, my heavy duty tampon and pad every half hour. And I and I'm sure there was actually other signs that I just wasn't aware of because it was a very stressful time in my life anyway. We were getting ready to move from Los Angeles back to Australia. We'd been there for 25 years and we were packing up our entire life. So I think I was putting everything just down to stress, but of course, and of course that was there, but there was definitely sleep disturbances already. There was already a sense of high anxiety that I sort of seemed to be spiraling out of control with as well. But once I hit Australia, my symptoms seemed to skyrocket and it became brain fog, um, you know, aching joints, rapid weight gain. Uh, the sleeplessness was off the charts. Um, and then the mental toll, I was extremely anxious. I was depressed. I could not find joy in anything. I'd sort of lost my will to kind of try to help myself. I was like, why bother? Wow. And I had you know, dry skin, dry hair, dry eyes. Uh, loss of libido. <laughs> hmm. um, yeah, there was a fair amount. There was a fair amount going on. Yeah. At, at what point did you realize that this was related to your to perimenopause? It was really once I started researching the book that all of it made sense. Because again, I kept on putting it down to the stress of moving and you know leaving my community behind and all of my children's friends and where I'd raised the kids, which of course I was stressed out about and I was sad about. So it's hard to sort of separate the two, but it seemed extreme. And once I started writing the book and delving into more of the research behind it, I was ticking all these boxes of like, oh, oh, okay, well, maybe it's all mostly perimenopause then. And, and that actually gave me a little bit of hope that it was something I could, I wasn't going to feel like this for the rest of my life because that mm. was a concern. In terms of the mental health effects that you experienced during this time, could you tell me a little bit more about that? Like how bad did the anxiety and depression get? For me, it felt very severe. Um, I have been pretty much an optimistic person most of my life, I would like to think, and find joy specifically in my family and my children and in going for a, a simple walk, like those sort of things, music bring me a lot of joy and, and especially my kids. And I remember the day that just feeling like I, for the first time ever, I didn't want to be anywhere near my children. Hmm. I didn't care what they were doing. I felt like I didn't care about them. Hmm. And that's what got me really scared because it was sort of like I had this other kind of thought in my head at the same time, kind of like an outside thought looking down on me going, what are you, what's happening? Like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, why are you unable to feel anything for the absolute loves of your life? Mm -hmm. And, and I remember I, I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't. And I remember thinking, you know, I think my family would be better off without me. I think that I'm a drain on people and I'm never going to feel any better than this. And I started thinking, how would be a better way to perhaps, you know, leave this planet and, and make everyone happier by me not existing anymore? Wow. So, and it was just bizarre having those having those thoughts, having never had anything like that before. 
Ali is so not alone in her experience of those feelings during perimenopause. Depression is something that quite a few women might experience during the menopause transition, and it's actually the second highest suicide rate for women is during midlife. It coincides with menopause years. So could be that menopause is playing a big role. It could be also that during the midlife there's lots of psychosocial stresses for women that might be playing a role as well. Okay, so we don't know if it's specific to perimenopause happening. We don't know if the suicide rates are specific, but we do know that perimenopause is associated with an increase in depression. And for some women, first time that they've experienced depression could be during menopause, and we think it's related to some of the hormone changes. So we could draw that inference that this increase in suicide rates is related to menopause. As if Ali's depression and suicidal thoughts weren't bad enough, she was also more anxious than ever. I was just worried about everything. And I remember my husband going, honey, you know, it's okay. You know, we're, we're going to be able to find dog food, you know, for the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's okay. We'll go to the supermarket. Oh my God, oh, you know, what happens if they're you know, they're really hungry. We can't find the right dog food. You know, just little things that just were off the charts, um, making me anxious. Yeah. What did your husband and kids think during this time? Did they have any sense that this was related to your perimenopause? They, they eventually did. And I attempted to keep my feelings, you know, certainly about my kids. I, you know, they never knew that I was feeling that way Mm. about them or, or my husband, but I mean, they do now if they've read the book. I know my husband has, but (laughs) I just was able to at least say to them once I had a bit more of an understanding about what was happening, you know, if you see me feeling down, it has absolutely nothing to do with you. It's just something I'm going through. And once they knew that, Mm -hmm. they were fine. Right. It was harder for my husband because like a lot of men, they want to fix you and they want to try to make things better. And, you know, our marriage was, it it really took a toll because I didn't want to sleep in the same bed. I I didn't want to hold his hand. I didn't want to be with him. Yet I needed him because I needed support, but he didn't know how to do it in the right way because everything felt like the wrong way. (laughs) So it was really confusing for him. And that was that was really hard. I guess because, like, if it caught you off guard and no one had spoken to you about it as a woman, like, that's got to be 10 times more confusing for the bloke. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's that was one of the things that I really was determined to put into my book was to give a shout-out to all the partners of menopausal women because it is hard. If if we don't know, they're not going to know. And all of a sudden, they're seeing this woman that they've known for X amount of years become often a completely different person. And the rates of divorce are incredibly high around that age. And whether or not it's it's the breakdown of a marriage because there's menopause or just a breakdown of a marriage because a woman goes, hey, I actually want more than this or, <laughs> yeah. you know, but it's, it, is, it is interesting that the, the rates of divorce are particularly high. Here's what makes menopause especially tricky. It's different for every person going through it. There's no way to predict which combination of symptoms you're going to get or how bad or if you'll get them at all. I think about 20 to 30% of women, that's what the data would suggest, will go through menopause without any symptoms at all. So there are some really lucky women who can just glide through this 
period of their lives and not experience anything other than the physiological change of not having a period anymore. Mm -hmm. And what influences who might fall into that camp versus someone experiencing very extreme symptoms? The million-dollar question there, Sana, of who is going to experience these symptoms, and we don't know. We can't really predict who is likely to experience different symptoms of menopause. Oh, can't wait for that surprise. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think the only symptom I know of menopause is hot flushes because my mum would always complain about that. Obviously, you hear people talk about hot flush. One thing I've been curious about is why these fluctuating hormones, oestrogen and progesterone, would have such a whole body effect. Like, it's fairly well known the link between hormones and mood, but why would lower oestrogen and progesterone levels cause brain fog and hot flashes? It's the most common symptom of perimenopause is hot flushes. So, yeah, it's estimated to be in about 80% of women might experience hot flushes. Wow. I mean, it certainly seems to be uh, from portrayals in film and TV when there is. <laughs> that's like yes. That seems to be the one that just stands out the most. Yeah, yes, like the defining symptom of menopause almost. And so, yeah, why would a decrease in estrogen and progesterone, why does that lead to hot flashes? What's going on there? So these sex hormones that we know about, estrogen and progesterone, they regulate our reproductive function and we, we know a lot about that. But they also have an impact on our brain, our brain health, our cognition, which is our thinking skills. So we don't know exactly, but we think that the hormone fluctuations is somehow triggering a part of the brain called the hypothalamus, which is a bit of the brain that regulates our temperature in our body. And this leads us to having hot flushes. And some women can experience these many times a day and it can last for a few seconds, a few minutes, changes for different women. But we think it's that hormone fluctuations misleading the hypothalamus and, and making us have this hot flush as a reaction to our body thinking that there's a temperature change, but there's not. Mm, okay. And what about brain fog? Why can that be a symptom of perimenopause? That's that's not that uncommon. About two thirds of women might experience differing degrees of brain fog. So the hormone estrogen, there's different types of estrogen. And one, the main type we have is called estradiol. And that hormone interacts with receptors in the brain, brain areas that are important for our thinking skills. So the front of our brain, part of our brain called the hippocampus, which is really important for memory. And so we know that estradiol, this type of estrogen, helps our neurons talk to each other. It helps different brain chemicals in the pathway fire, so things like dopamine and serotonin, mm. which are important for our thinking skills. So when we have fluctuating and declining levels of estradiol, our brain is not firing in the same way. So it can make us feel a bit foggy in our thinking. Yeah. Do, do people find this particular symptom really confusing? Are people like not usually aware of this? Yes. So women who might be in their mid-40s and not really thinking about menopause necessarily start to perhaps forget words or they might walk into a room and forgot, forget why they've walked into a room or just have this general cloudiness in their thinking and not necessarily make a connection to, oh, it's my estradiol levels fluctuating and dropping. And so it can be quite concerning for some women. They might feel like they're just not at their functioning at their best or they might, some women get really concerned about Alzheimer's disease happening at a really young age and just get very concerned about why they're not thinking as sharply as they used to. 
And so, and that can last the entirety of perimenopause, is that right? For some women, it can last for four to 10 years, which is a long time. And headaches, changes to sleep patterns, insomnia, and night sweats. Um, There can be other changes to the way people's skin feels or headaches or sore muscles, vaginal dryness. There's a whole range of symptoms that women can experience. There are treatments to help with many of these symptoms. We're not going to go into them in great detail in this episode, but hormone replacement therapy is the main one to note. And lifestyle factors can also make a difference, things like the Mediterranean diet and exercise. Ali Datto was able to manage her symptoms just with lifestyle adjustments and talk therapy. I went to a therapist to help with the emotional load and we did couples therapy as well. I saw a doctor, a hormone specialist who immediately had me doing a lot of blood work. So wherever I was depleted, she immediately got me onto, you know, vitamins and minerals to support my well-being in that way. And that already made a massive difference. And because I'd been a naturopathic girl my entire life, I went to my beautiful naturopath and for me, not only was she, she was certainly helpful with everything that she was assisting me with, but she was just someone that I could spend a full hour with and she would listen, she would commiserate, she was empathetic. And that alone was a huge help and support to me. And once I also knew that that was actually quite a common thing, depression and anxiety, I was like, okay, I am not losing my mind. This is actually a hormone issue as well here. And it was just sort of doing those baby step things, just bringing myself up out of bed, sitting in the sun, you know, the little things. The hugging was a big thing. Asking for hugs was really big. Yeah. And playing with my dogs and walks on the beach. I mean, they all sound simple, but it was those things that was like, oh, okay, okay, I'm starting to feel like I want to be around again. And so you didn't need hormone therapy then to be able to cope? Look, you know, I I honestly didn't look into it because I just thought that I'll go the way I've always gone, which is unless I've broken an arm or something, I usually go naturopathic. In hindsight, I think that I should have probably gone to HRT. I think I could have probably had the symptoms lessen a lot quicker. And from what I understand more now about HRT, the effects of HRT in the long term and future-proofing yourself is actually really phenomenal. They're finding more and more about how it assists with bone density and Alzheimer's and uh, heart health. So had I known it, I I probably would have gone on to it and and helped myself in that way. Have you spent much time thinking about what will happen to you when you get to your 40s and start having menopausal symptoms? I'm I'm too young to think about that right now. Fair. (laughs) I am not planning more than one day ahead of my life at any given time. (laughs) I mean, I understand that strategy. Uh, How old are you guys, can I ask? I'm 18. Okay, you have a long way to go. Awesome. I, myself, am in my mid-30s, so... Perimenopause and menopause are no longer distant thought exercises. This is like the next 15 years of my life. And it's definitely helpful to know what to expect. So I don't panic and just jump to assuming I'm developing Alzheimer's when I start to feel brain fog. So this episode is really helpful. 
But I also have to say, all of this has also made me wonder about the past. Can you talk a little bit about, like, what would women do through the ages? What would people do? Like, did generations of women just suffer with no relief? I think that's what happened. And I also think if we go back um, 100 years, a lot of women weren't working when they were going through the menopause transition. And perhaps they had children slightly younger, so their children were slightly older. They might not have had parents alive anymore. Mm. So I think life was just a little bit different for women going through the menopause transition if we go back a century. Women might have been at home. They might have been in more of a community living type environment. So they were helping each other. I feel like our lifestyles have changed immensely over the past hundred years. And now women are often in their midlives when they're going through menopause and at the prime of their career. And there's a lot going on. So women often have teenage children, elderly parents, and so we're stretched. And so I think that's a change that's happened over time. And perhaps that's helped us talk more about what's going on. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, the way we live now is so different. It of course it would contribute to how hard the experience yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that it's, it's a factor. I, I, look, I don't really know the historical research about how women coped during menopause hundreds of years ago, but I feel like life was just different then. At the age of 51, six years after her first perimenopausal symptoms, former model Ali Dado hit menopause. She's now 53. Given that a chunk of your career was centred on femininity and attractiveness and and sex appeal, do you feel like menopause for you was um, harder or had an added dimension of difficulty because of that? Well, look, I think... I think it's actually difficult for any woman, no matter what industry they're in. In fact, I've spoken to sort of very high-powered CEOs who are horrified that they can't then present their PowerPoint well because they're sweating profusely, they're having brain fog. So it affects people certainly differently in whatever career that they've come from. Mm. For me, I was lucky. I I say the word lucky, but for me, I, I had stopped being a model when I got pregnant with my first child. So that was sort of 24, 25. And I went away from the entertainment industry and into teaching and into birth coaching and stuff like that. So I feel like that was actually really helpful Mm. because I moved away from the idea of my worth is in, in my exterior and my beauty. So, but at the same time, absolutely, it was horrifying to see this weight gain for no apparent reason, cellulite from neck to knee. And it seemed to happen really quickly. Mm. That was the thing that really shocked me. It was almost like this overnight catch myself in the mirror going, wow, when did that take place? So that sort of thing was alarming. But I think it affects no matter what career you're in. I think it's hard for any woman to see those dramatic changes if that happens to you. Of course, it doesn't happen to every woman. And how does it feel now on this side? You know, it is everything that when I spoke to postmenopausal women that they said it would be. And I've actually, I'm actually the healthiest I've ever been. Mm. And I feel like as far as my mental health, it's just been a complete 180 because I feel, you know, a lot of women talk about not giving a crap about anything anymore <laughs> in, in a good way. Right, yep, yep. Uh, not being bothered by this or that or speaking their mind more. And, and for someone who 
you know, being suffering as as the good girl for for many years and not speaking up and saying yes when I didn't want to say yes and no when I didn't want to say no. That has been the best change for me because I've found my voice and that has been so empowering. So I sort of felt like I didn't have that voice before. Yeah. Oh, that's that's really nice to hear. It's yeah, all all good on the other side. <laughs> it is all good on the other side. Yeah. I still have still haven't lost the weight, but hey, I, I, like that really doesn't bother me anymore. I'm like, oh, you know what? This is just the shape I am. I'm a cute little muffin top. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that is Ali Dado, former model, now teacher and author of Queen Menopause: Finding Your Majesty in the Mayhem. You also heard from clinical neuropsychologist Caroline Gervich. And a big thank you to everyone who took part in our menopause pop quiz. If you want more information on menopause and perimenopause, check out the ABC Catalyst episode on the topic with Miff Warhurst. Ali and Caroline both spoke in that program as well, along with many others. You can find it on ABC iView. Thanks to producer Rose Kerr and sound engineer John Jacobs. I'm Sana Kadar. Thank you for listening. I'll catch you next time. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.